0: I've entitled it Dare to be a Daniel from the children's song. Do you remember that one? Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, and dare to make it known. Uh, but I've also subtitled this called Holiness in a Secular World. Let me just give you a couple of scriptures to start off with. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Or it is written be holy for I am holy that's in 1 Peter 1 the epistle of Peter right at the end of the Bible and he's quoting from Leviticus right near the beginning of the Bible so we can see right from the beginning we've been talking about the holiness of God and right at the end of the Bible the holiness and as we go through the Bible we see this subject comes up again and again be holy for I the Lord your God am holy but maybe the, the more pertinent um, text this morning is from Hebrews 12 14, which says, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I'll say that again. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So it seems to me to be quite an important subject, this subject of being holy. And I want to, can we really just really glimpse at at what holiness is this morning but I want to use the book of Daniel to maybe help us to understand uh, what it is to be holy and how it can apply to us today and why why did I use Daniel? Well, I think his world seemed to have many similarities to our world today and I'll explain that in a minute but I'll just give you a bit of a historical overview of of Daniel first of all let, let you know what was happening around about his time. We're talking about the period about 600 years before Jesus came on the earth, about 600 years BC. And in 586 BC, Israel was conquered by this amazing, a massive empire, the Babylonian Empire, under King Nebuchadnezzar. And at the time, as was there wanted at the time, they carried much of Israel's population, were carried away in exile as captives to become slaves in the Babylonian uh, empire. And the captives will undergo a, a um, system of reprogramming to bring them into, into line with the Babylonian ways, their culture, their gods, their idol worship and all things Babylonian. And Daniel was one of these captives and do you know he was taken away into captivity when he was just 16 years old. Who's 16 here this morning? <laughs> 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 No shame. <laughs> but can you imagine, you know, some of us not far from the age of 16, taken away from his home, taken away from all he knew into this strange culture. And you know the Babylonian culture at the time was to try and eradicate the culture of, the, of their captured nation. So they're trying to eradicate the name of God. And we can see that in the way that Daniel's name was changed and the names of his friends as well. Daniel's name means God is my judge. And he was changed to Belteshazzar which means may Bel, which is one of their gods, protect his life. So you can see how the very name that it was changed to try and actually change the, reprogram his thinking. And actually, we, we mustn't be, think too poorly of, of um, Daniel first of all he must have expected this I mean just a few years before that Jeremiah his prophecies which they would have known about uh, actually predicted or prophesied that this would happen and also when you think about it Daniel taken into uh, into this training he was actually selected because he was seen as being a good training prospect he was clean he was uh, without blemish He was a good report, he was an intelligent guy and they thought we'll take him away and we'll make him into something special in the Babylonian Empire and compliance with this training or the conditioning would actually result in quite a bright future for Daniel he'd receive a position in society and success but he would be required to forsake his God and to worship the Babylonian gods And I'd like to suggest that we live in a similar world today. There's pressure on all of us to comply with the demands of our society. It's often alien to what is holy and pure and of God. I mean, we can see it in science, for the scientists as long as you know, that science, um, much of science ridicules God, ridicules faith in God. Education, those who are in, in educational profession, It sometimes teaches lies, I've come across lies um, to do with evolution, which are proved to be lies. But they're still taught in our school, and they're taught to actually eradicate God from from thinking. And education also places restriction on, on our faith. Politics, it suppresses and it chips away at what is in God's word. We've seen that over the last few years. And persecution for our faith is widespread and it's increasing. Even this morning on the radio I was just listening um, somebody talking about how the the state religions of some of the major countries in our world uh, suppress the smaller religions or the smaller faiths, Christianity being some of them, and try and eradicate them totally. We see it in our country. We have have, um, persecution slowly coming into our country. Certainly, in America, it's happening as well. The Western Christian countries. We see promiscuity, unnatural relations, gender issues, overindulgence, gambling that came up yesterday, or becoming the normal standard. On TV, this is just this week they were celebrating some lady who started one of the online gambling services. Paying ourselves six hundred or two hundred and sixty million pounds, I see, something. The next news item was we've got fifty-five thousand children who've got serious gambling problems in the country. These are becoming the norm in our society. It reflects on what Daniel was finding in his society, and so we're we're forced to make choices. Humphrey, remember this from our mission community group on Tuesday. We talked about choices. We're forced to make choices, we're choosing God's way is to be holy but it's often against the flow of popular thinking. Choosing the world's way or society's way which is the flow of popular thinking is so often, so often against God's way. <clears throat> so looking at chapter, uh, chapter 1 of Daniel, I just want to talk about this incident the first recorded incident about Daniel. It sees him me- needing to make a choice in his life. Part of his conditioning uh, was to eat and drink the food, king's food and wine. Which you might think, well that's pretty good, isn't it? <clears throat> what the king eats, you know, all that special food and the best of the wine. But the trouble was, it was a Babylonian practice. <coughs> excuse me, to offer um, food and drink to their idols. That was their practice. And in the world Daniel came from, it was, against the, it was against the law of the Israelites to eat food offered to, Daniel. That's offered, to, offer to um, idols. So Daniel had to make a choice. Right, am I going to have this pretty nice looking food and this nice looking drink, or am I going to make a stand here? And Daniel's choice, it comes right at the beginning of this book, in, in verse 8 of chapter 1. And it says this, But Daniel purposed, in his heart not to defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief official permission not to defile himself this way. Can you put yourself in, in, the, in the position of that chief official? You know, he, he's looking after all these captives and feeding him good food and put on a training program so they can serve Babylon. Suddenly this upstart comes along and sort of says, hang about, um, can can we not eat this food, please, because it's it's against my, our religion. I bet he had never come across that before in his life. And although he liked we told in the Bible he liked Daniel, he was afraid of how the king would react if he found out. Fair enough, he could have got his Nebuchadnezzar was a fairly ruthless guy at the time. He probably killed him. But, there's a couple of lovely points I'd like to bring out from just this verse. First of all, the way Daniel conducted himself in this situation. So often, we, you know, if somebody actually tells us to do something which is against our belief, we go, no, I'm a Christian, I don't do anything like that, do I? We get aggressive and we sort of say, no, I'm making a stand for God. We, we see it all the time, don't we? That Daniel was gracious and he was polite in his request. And if we go on to read in verse 12 and 13 of Daniel chapter 1, we see that Daniel actually gave the the chief official the last say in the matter. He said, you know, if if what I'm suggesting doesn't work, do what you feel best. How gracious was that? He put his hand in God's life, but he also didn't actually try and force his opinions. The second thing, which is lovely about this, is that God had prepared the way for Daniel. And we're told that he was... Uh, God had put Daniel in favour with the chief official. I mean, if he hadn't been in favour with him, he'd have sort of said, get back in your cell, you know, I'll, you know, right, you're off the programme, you can sort of go and start picking potatoes in the field now. But no, he put him in favour with the chief official. So God is always before us. There's a song we sing, isn't it? Our God is before us, behind us, above us and around us, looking after us. Daniel chose to honour God rather than to defile himself. Um, as we read through chapter 1, we read that God honoured Daniel and when the time came for Daniel to appear with his friends before Nebuchadnezzar the king, Nebuchadnezzar found him, it's ten times better than all his wise men. Um, I think this is probably quite a pivotal moment in Daniel's life. I might want suggest that. The pivotal moment, and it was either to stand for God or to go with the world view, and I'm sure this must happen to many of us today. Uh, I can give an example from my life. A memorable, pivotal, pivotal moment for me was happened just over 44 years ago when I joined the Royal Marines Band Service. You can imagine going from a Christian home into a barrack room with 51 other colleagues, <laughs> uh, and it was a bit of a shock. Okay, for the first time, I came in in, li- in touch with the the barrack room or the service drink culture, which was heavy drinking, as much as you, po- as much as you could drink, as often as you can. Uh, the swearing, I'd never heard swearing like it. I learnt a new vocabulary, <laughs> where every third word was a swear word. And, you know, you have to, you have to learn these, these vocabularies, but... Uh, and it was a, a different culture for me. Uh, I'd never really come across pornography before. We didn't have internet porn in those days, but... We had Mayfair and Playboy and all these sort of things, which I was thinking, what's that? Well, you know, I'd never <laughs> seen anything like it. I was actually quite sheltered, upbringing. But, but you can imagine, I was, I was thrust from this, if you like, Christian world into this very worldly world. And, but even at the tender age of 17, I was 17 at the time, I realised that I had to make a choice. I had to stand with my faith for God or go the way of the barrack Room. And actually, I realised even then that there's no middle ground. I couldn't actually do a bit of that and a bit of that. It was one or the other. Let me just read, there's no middle ground in following Jesus. Listen to John in in, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. In verse five, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And contrast this with the next verse, verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. It's one or the other. We can't, there's no middle ground there. I think this is what motivated Daniel to be holy. He knew from history the consequence of sin, of turning from God. The nation he came from had a history of that. In fact, where Israel was at this time in history, a conquered nation under captivity was a result of turning from God, a result of sin. Now we might be all thinking, holiness, how can we be holy? How can I be holy? Let me just say, I don't think Daniel was a perfect man. There's a quote from Easton's Bible Dictionary which says, Personal holiness is a work of gradual development which is carried on under many hindrances, hence the frequent admonitions to watchfulness, prayer, and perseverance. Do you know, we are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a finished work. Our sins have been dealt with when we come to Jesus. There's nothing more we can do. nothing more to be done about that. Jesus has done it all for us. But once we choose to follow Jesus, this process, there's a long word called sanctification, begins in our lives. And it's the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives which is making us ever more like Jesus and I would suggest that being holy is allowing that work to go on in our lives not sort of saying when we're faced with a choice not going our way not going the world's way going God's way Paul in his letter to the 2nd Corinthians um, end of chapter 6 he says this come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. That's a quote from Isaiah 52. Then he says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's a quote from 2 Samuel. Then Paul goes on in in, in chapter seven. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord, in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness, it's an ongoing work, but we can be holy. Holiness is, is, is that sancti- process of sanctification. So we think, who is holiness for? Is it just for our church leaders? Just for age Abe's age our, our holy man. <laughs> and a holy man he is as well, bless him. <laughs> it's not just for aid it's for every one of us who are following jesus every single one holiness is a grace it's a gift given to us by god Uh, we see in mark 4 uh, jesus talks about uh, the, the the corn as the the blade the ear and then the full grain the growth and you know holiness is a grace that we can see in the blade we can see it in the ear and we can see it in the full grain holiness is something which accompanying us throughout our life uh, following God holiness doesn't come to rightness or perfection all at once it's something which is ongoing in our lives JC Ryle in his book he says that sanctification in the holiest of us is an imperfect work and in James 3 verse 2 we read for we all stumble in many things. Put your hand up if you never stumble in anything. Lord well and Andy, bless you. <laughs> the perfect man. <laughs> but we do, we all stumble in many things. So, sanctification is that ongoing process in the holies of us, and it's an imperfect work until the day we meet God face to face. We meet Jesus face to face when we should be like Him. That's the thing that brings the shine to our face, isn't it? Praise God. And you know, the Bible is packed so full of good advice on how to live a holy life. This is why this book should be our constant companion. We should be reading it. We should be asking the Holy Spirit in his work in our lives to sort of reveal things to us. Let me give you an example. In Galatians 5 verse 16, it says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then as you go on to read through the rest of that chapter, it tells us uh, what, are the, what is the lust of the flesh and goes on to tell us what the fruit of the spirit in our life is we need to, we need to delve into these wonderful texts that God has given us in his word to, as we get to know God all the more J.C. Ryle it says in his book holiness is a great reality light if it exists it will show itself Salt, if it exists, its savour will be tasted. Precious ointment, if it exists, its fragrance cannot be hidden. So holiness in a person who walks with God is going to be readily seen, not just by ourselves. Um, the Chris and I discussion before the service just complimenting each other on our holiness. Didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> But that's what, we, we, you know, we should, we should take joy in that, the fact that we have, the, we have this holiness, which is w- walking with God. But the world outside should see that as well. I think probably my biggest witness in 33 years in the Royal Marines was, was the fact, was not what I said, it's what I did, the way I conducted myself. And it wasn't always perfect, as Lynn will tell you. <laughs> in fact, actually, in many ways, being in that environment was easier because, I tell you what, if I put a foot outside of that holiness, they soon told me, you shouldn't be doing that, Phil, you're a Christian!
1: (laughs) (laughs) And what could he say? There's no defence.
0: You think, okay, Lord, sorry. But that's holiness. I was going to spend much more time in Daniel, but uh, I had to totally rewrite this on uh, yesterday because God just really convicted me that I was trying to cram too much in. But just very briefly, holiness was shown in Daniel when he trusted God in chapter 2 of Daniel uh, to show him Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He put his neck on the block He said, Nebuchadnezzar, give me a bit of time and I'll find your dream and find interpretation. But what did he do? Can you remember what he did? He went away and he called a prayer meeting, he called a prayer meeting. He gave it to God. How important prayer is in the life of Christians and the life of the church. (coughs) Pauline will say we're seeing some wonderful answers to prayer in our prayer meetings at the moment. Chapter three, holiness, was seen in Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that's the Babylonian names by the way, when they refused to defile God and bow down to this image. And so they were thrown into the fiery furnace. How easy it would have been to say, fiery furnace, okay. What, what harm is it gonna do for me to bow down? What harm is it gonna do, you know? Okay, people will forgive me, you know, they'll soon say, we shouldn't have done that, oh no, that's right, sorry God. But no, they stood firm and, they, and, and, and said no, we serve our God. Holiness is seen in Daniel when he continued to pray to his God, despite the ban on prayer in chapter 6. By this time he was just about to be made Prime Minister of, of Babylon. By, 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 this, it wasn't, by this time it wasn't Babylon, uh, the Babylonian Empire, it was the Medes and the Persians. That's another story which I haven't got time to talk about in verse four and verse, uh, chapter 4 and 5. But Daniel stood firm, no, no, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray to my God, it's what I do. So he was thrown into the lions. These famous stories, but they're about people living holy lives. And so we get to the the personal questions. Are you holy? Am I holy? Do we desire holiness? I'll just remind you, the, the text right from the beginning of my little talk, from Hebrews 12 without holiness no one will see the Lord so serious serious <clears throat> it's lovely in our worship time the focus was on Jesus and you know we need Jesus if we would be holy we must run to Jesus don't delay I'll say that again if, if you would be holy we need to run to Jesus. Don't delay. Following Jesus, there is a cost. Jesus says in, uh, in all the Gospels, but in Luke 9, 23, said, uh, if you, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must take up their cross daily and must follow me. Is this a reality in our lives? How often are our thoughts and our minds on Jesus throughout the day? Do we, do we actually focus in on Jesus on a Sunday morning? It's easy isn't it, we come together, it's lovely. The, the fellowship, we feel the warmth of fellowship, we sing the songs, we listen to the, God's word. Maybe on our mission community nights, we mentioned them tonight, you know we have wonderful times in our, in our mission community. And you know, it's a time where we can just get together and focus on Jesus. Maybe in your quiet time in the morning, if you have a quiet time, maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's half an hour, maybe an hour Maybe your bedtime prayer, prayers before you go to sleep at night Or, does Jesus fill your thoughts, does he fill your thoughts throughout the day, affecting your time at work, affecting your relationships as you meet people affecting every passing moment of your life, your decisions. Now I'm not talking about eliminating all thoughts but Jesus, rather I'm talking about being aware of Jesus in all our thoughts, working with Jesus, walking with Jesus. We came to the end of of my little talk on holiness, maybe the uh, fee and the band could actually be ready to to go. But I'd just like to say that this process of sanctification, which is the ongoing process of the Holy Spirit in our lives, setting us apart for God, can be painful at times. You saw with, the, with, with Daniel and his friends, it wasn't easy for them. But being holy is living for Jesus with every breath we take, being part of every breath we take. And what I'd like to say to you, to all of us now, is to go to Jesus now and say to him, in the words of this beautiful hymn, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Friends, be holy.